I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Thanks for listening to the latest Football Digest podcast available on all podcast platforms. Subscribe now through Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Acast, or wherever you get your podcasts from, so you don't miss a single episode. Good morning and welcome to the Football Digest weekly podcast. Thanks so much for joining, and uh, it's a different band together uh, this week, um, but so much to talk about with Manchester City. Could the treble be on? Um, really, and I wonder whether you know who's going to win the, in the Champions League now. Could this finally be Pep's year? Are Arsenal bottling it? Surely not after this incredible season that they're enjoying. And what about the FA Cup semi-finals? So I'm delighted to say that joining me this week is the King of Manchester, Simon Mook. And um, <laughs> yeah, no, that's you, Simon. That really is you, Pat. Um, and Matt Dunn, for, um, football aficionado from, from the Daily Express. Um, good morning, guys. Nice to have you with us. Simon, let's start with you, Al. I mean, what do you what 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 do you make of City's chances now of, of the treble? To me, it looks as if, I know we always talk about these kind of visions and grand ambitions in any season, and it looks a bit fanciful. But the way City are playing at the moment, it's all there for them, isn't it? They've got a great chance because they're still in all three competitions. They're playing some fantastic football. Um, possibly they are now hitting heights that we've never previously seen before in terms of the quality of the play. They've always been a, a great team going forward. They've always had those little little flaws at the back that now seem to be addressed. And they are, I think I said it last week, after their first leg win over Bayern, they're ruthless in, at both both ends of the pitch now, um, and obviously they've got uh, Erling Haaland, who is just an absolute phenomenon, um, just scoring goals for fun. Of course, you know we enter the business end of the season. They are they've hyped up the pressure on Arsenal, or, or should I say, Arsenal? Arsenal have allowed them to hike up the pressure a little bit. I, I thought the Arsenal result at Liverpool, whilst disappointing after they went two goals up. Was a little understandable. Liber, you know, we've got to give Liverpool credit. They were fantastic for that last hour. But that game against West Ham last week, I would imagine, would be quite worrying for, for Arsenal fans um, because that's not the Arsenal that have taken the Premier League by storm. But going back to City, yeah, they're in a good position in terms of hiking up the pressure on Arsenal. Obviously, they've got um, an FA Cup semi-final that you would expect them to win, although it'd be interesting to see what team Pep Guardiola puts out, given the Arsenal game is coming up on Wednesday. And, of course, they've got um, a massive Champions League semi-final now with Real Madrid, where the kind of common belief is that the the eventual champions will be the winner of that tie. So have they got a chance of doing it? Yeah, but you're at that, they're at that stage where one little mistake can prove fatal in every competition. Um, you know, I remember United winning, obviously, in 99, uh, and everything just fell into place for United that season. 
you know, they kind of got a, a stroke of luck and a stroke of genius against Arsenal with the Ryan Giggs goal. But let's not forget that earlier in the game, Dennis Bergkamp missed that penalty. They were second best for pretty much 89 minutes of the Champions League final against, against Bayern Munich. And then the new Camp miracle happened. So sometimes you do, just to get over the line with these fantastic achievements, you need that little stroke of luck. Um, you know, and and a little bit of bad luck can can prove fatal when you're at this stage of the competition. So, yeah, they've got a great chance, but um, you know, it's impossible to say yeah they're going to do it um, because it, it you know the, the, the sort of the, the margins are so fine. Yeah, the, the, Matt, the way I see it is that City for me are absolutely phenomenal. It's so entertaining to watch. I do think they're the best team in Europe. Sometimes you just almost, you know, want to see the best team win it. And, you know, you just sit back and admire what they do. Um, and, and you know, how, how do you see City in the sort of the ranking of, of the Guardiola teams of late? Is this the best team? Is this the best well-prepared team to, to kind of blow absolutely everybody away in all competitions? I think it's the most complete team, just on what the basis of what Harlem's doing. Um for so long they coped without him but with a proper number nine it just showed that they were ready to go on to another level I mean they've actually been a bit more slipshod um, than they have been in recent seasons dropping points against teams you wouldn't want them to Um, but their performances in the big games have just been exemplary all the way throughout and yeah like you say it's a great watch you know and you want to applaud that sort of football and and honour that sort of football but that said in the title race either of our Winners will grace the Premier League, um, you know, whoever finishes top. So it's been an enthralling competition in that, that race. And for all the reasons that Silas says, there's lots of things that can go wrong. But in each of those individual hurdles, you back City all the way uh, to, to come out on top. So th- this could be the year when it all finally clicks for him. Yeah. yeah. The, 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 Simon, uh, where do you rate this, t- this particular team in all the glorious Guardiola generations? Are they, are they the best or are they just almost the best placed. Where do, where do you think they sit? They sit? Um, I've got to say in terms of, um, in terms of sort of pure football, I think the 18-19 team for me was the best, um, the best that Guardiola's produced. Um, but they, they, these teams evolved, you know, as Matt said, they, they were, they were a little slipshod earlier in the season. They were dropping points that they, you wouldn't expect them to have dropped. But, what we didn't allow for was that Guardiola was, has changed the system. You know, he's been he's been the, the system has still been evolving. You know, uh, last season it was it was Inchenko who, who sort of moved into central midfield, and and did a fantastic you know did a fantastic job there. I, I was one of those who was really surprised that Guardiola allowed Zinchenko to leave. I thought he was instrumental in the way City played. Um, but John Stones brings an extra kind of dimension to it, not in terms of his passing. Which is, you know, he's, he probably isn't isn't quite up there with with the quality of Zinchenko's passing, but he just brings a a physicality to this to that to that role that, that they've not had before. And like Matt said, you've got um, you know, you've got uh, Harland up front, who is just, you know, I, I, it is just um, indescribable in terms of what he brings to the team. They can score at any moment. I mean, we saw last night, you know, fifteen seconds after Bayern almost pull a goal back. The ball's in the back of the net at the other end. Um, you know, ball up front, Haaland and, and De Bruyne a link. 
and you know just a de- you know a deadly finish that we've we've come to expect. So um, I like to say I think I think this this team has got different qualities to some of the teams that Peppers had before. But you know the proof is is in how many trophies they deliver at the end of the season, and they've been in this position before where they've been in with the chance of the treble going into the final few weeks of the season and not quite got there. They've obviously got a treble in terms of domestic trophies. Um, but you know, this is the treble. This is the you know, this is the measure uh, when you're talking about trebles. You know, Champions League, Premier League, and FA Cup. This is the one that that really would kind of establish this this team as as one of the best in uh, in English football history and European football history, by the way. Yeah, absolutely. I do. I do feel as if City are just. I don't know, doing what they do brilliantly, which is just hitting form right at the end of the season. They're phenomenal, aren't they? That's sort of kind of the last third of the season, that running, you know. I mean, we always sort of, it feels like every year we seem to be questioning in November, December and January, saying this isn't the city of old. Well, they're, they're saving it in the bank to, to blow absolutely everybody away in, in, at the end, you know. So, I love, I love Graham Sunez's definition of great, which rather suits his own playing days, which is, to be a great team, you have to have won the European Cup twice. Uh, and I think that's the one that City need to crack this season before we really start talking about them as greatest teams ever. Uh, and I think this is the season they're going to do it. Yeah, yeah. It'd be, um, yeah, it, 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 it could be. It could be that really. So it'll be interesting to see. Matt, I, I'm, I must say, we were both at uh, Stamford Bridge the other night, weren't we? And... Um, I don't know what you thought about it, but from from the sublime of Manchester City to the ridiculous of Chelsea, and and frankly, it was always going to be a long way back for Chelsea, wasn't it? But let's be honest here. But um, I, I just felt as if, you know, that felt like an end of an era to me. The Chelsea winning machine year in, year out, the Champions League. They're on a new path with a different owner, to put it mildly. Am I right to think that? Am I right to think that Chelsea are perhaps, you know, on the negative side now? Oh, gosh, yeah. Um, they have been pretty much since day one when their new owners walked in, um, unfortunately. Um, it's weird because, I mean, you were there as well. We kind of got caught up in the, the excitement of this weird Lampard system with all his best attacking players on the bench um, but the but the sort of energy that the the, the Kante in particular Gallagher uh, put into pressing Real Madrid and it was successful. I was just thinking last night when you watch Haaland go and score that goal, you stick Haaland in that Chelsea team, and I, I think he gets a hat trick or you know he probably scores three or four goals himself over the two legs. So um, so they've created chances Chelsea. Um, they've do, and, and that's a, a measure of how easily I think City all. Surprisingly easy, City of Wayne to score goals against Real Madrid as well. But 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 back on Chelsea. Uh, but the longer the game on, you suddenly you watch that second goal go in where he's just, uh, you know, Valverde's just danced through the defence and you know knocked the ball in on the goal line and it's they were cross apart and these were the last two winners of the Champions League. You know, it should have been a closely full contest uh, and actually in reality over the two legs it wasn't and it wasn't even close. Uh, and Chelsea is so far off it. You saw those three substitutes lined up, ready to come on, uh, and you think, "Oh, this is the choice. This is a decision that's been made by the fourth manager that Burnley's had in eleven months." Uh, and these disparate souls coming on to try and rescue them from nowhere. Uh, and every decision, pretty much, has been made uh, at top level has been wrong. 
Um, and, and to add to that, you know, we, we've been in rooms where, well, I don't know if you felt the same, but it was kind of, we were being lectured about how to run, how English football had missed out and hadn't seen the bigger picture of long-termism and all these magic eight-year contracts. Uh, I think that European football's been a tougher nut to crack than Top Burley and and, and his uh, cohorts uh, let on to. Uh, he, I was in the mix zone afterwards and watched him walk across from the family enclosure to the dressing room, no doubt, to give one of his legendary post-match talks. And he just, uh, and then walked back again. And that, the whole thing just, just, just seems almost amateurish. Uh, uh, and when that that amount of money being spent on it, they've got to do better than than they did over those two legs. And uh, there's a massive rethink that's needed. And the big question is, who do you want to go and play for Todd to Bowling? Now they talk about these managers who might come in. They've got to try and sell themselves over the next eight games that this is somewhere that that a manager is going to want to come, have to clear out some major names, keep others happy, uh, and make them challenge again. Because if they're not challenging with that amount of money behind them. You need to know what you know that there's something gone wrong. Mm, yeah. So, Simon, do you, do you think it's odd that a, the owner of a football club goes in, into the dressing room? I have to say, Todd Bowling has done it literally after every single game, particularly well, Stamford Bridge. He has. So I don't think oh, what happened after Brighton was 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 unusual in any way. But I guess the messaging has to be right from from the owner, or or is it the owner's right? Bearing in mind is how much money's ploughed in. Um, listen, if it, if it's a, a kind of tradition that he's um, he's kind of wanting to implement at, at, at the football club that he's bought, then I, I don't see any problem with it. It's just the optics of it at, at the moment when things aren't aren't going too well. Um, but you know, if he wants to visit the dressing room, that's fine as long as you know. We, what does he say when he gets there? You know, is he handing, is he dishing out the air dry treatment to players? Is he you know talking to the the manager about what the team should have done or what the team could have done. You know, if 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 we don't know we're not party to these conversations, but if he's doing stuff like that, then that that oversteps the mark really in terms of what uh, what a club owner should um should be limited to. Um but yeah I suppose in a way um you know if he's if he's going and still going in the dressing room when things are are going are going wrong, you know, how many times do we see a chairman sort of rushing in there when there's a there's a trophy Sort of being paraded in the drinking the champagne out of that, and you kind of jump on the the, the the kind of glory of it all. I've not got a problem with him going in the changing room as long as there's that as long as there's that kind of demarcation line that he doesn't step over in terms of um, you know trying to influence uh, what what the team does and, and and talking to the players in a in a more kind of technical manner. Well, I thought actually John was was good on the eve of the game when he was asked how he would feel if the president came in. And he said that the owner's got the right to talk to the manager to find out what's going on. Uh, but what he didn't say, and out of politeness, I think, was, you know, but stay out of my dressing room. It's another part of European football, the, the semantics of which the owners have no idea about. You don't go predicting a 3-0 win on national, you know, on Sky Television before the first leg. These are things you just don't do in European football, and they haven't got any sort of grasp on on how it works over here. And, you know, by all means, change it. We're not proud enough to say we can't learn a few lessons on how to do things. But you've got to remember there's been, you know, 92 clubs in England doing this for over 100 years, uh, and not to mention all those clubs abroad. Uh, and they tend to have found that certain things work and certain things don't. And to come over here and think that you can change things in a broad brushstroke without learning about why his things are like they are as anyway, 
I just think it's naive and it's really surprising for such a successful businessman. It's to, a Exactly. It's a good thing. You know, you, I, I'm a big NFL fan. And, you know, a couple of years ago when uh, Tampa Bay won the Super Bowl, it wasn't Tom Brady collecting the, the uh, Vince Lombardi trophy. It was the Glazers. You know, it was the owner. It was the, and that's how it, that's how it is in, in the NFL. The owner goes up to collect the Super Bowl trophy. You know, all the glory is on them. Not, you know, the players have won it, but the, the, the kind of glorious moment goes to, goes to the owners. So, um, you know, that, that's the kind of background that Tom, that Todd Bahili comes from. So uh, I think we have to give him a little, you know, a, cut him a little bit of slack. It, it, no, you know, why, why, why come in a lecture though, Simon? I'm, I'm not saying lecture, listen, he's, 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 he's not learned. He, he's he needs to have learned and listened a little bit more. You know, it's, it's, you know, football has evolved over a century and more, you know, and, and probably most of the things that Todd Bowley thinks, he, uh, thinks it, uh, are unique. Uh, you, you can be sure have been tried many times before and and discarded. You know, there's very little new that can be introduced in, in terms of running a football club. Absolutely, you know, it, it, on, in that sense, you, you know, I, I couldn't agree more. You know, somebody just coming in and, and not really seeming to have a plan and just spending six hundred million pounds. It's just, I mean, I, I still can't kind of quite get my head. Around what 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 the plan is with that, and especially tying players to eight years eight year contracts, and um, you know, there's an FP situation that's been looked at. But the way it's going, Chelsea won't need to worry about FFP because they're not going to qualify for European football. <laughs> yeah, I do, I do, I do, I do tend to agree. I mean, blimey, yeah, they're, they're going to be a long way back. Man, I do, I do have to say, your 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 um monologue then did make me think of, of, of Fergie when 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 Wenger first arrived I, d- I do think that kind of football and tradition evolves really but it, it's the way but I, 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 where I would join with you I think is is, is that Bowley is just at the moment that if there's one thing that, that, that sort of sums up the naivety is the thinking that the basic 30 team 30 players in a dressing room can somehow be harmonious and successful you know well, they built a bit eleven they rather than solving a yeah. problem they said, oh, there's two leaves, two, not enough for all, we'll extend the dressing room. Is that actually shrinking the size of the playing squad? But that's the, the naivety of the, the way. I tell you what, there's a great lesson for them if they want to learn how to come across the Atlantic and uh, and listen before jumping in, spend lots more money than everyone else, and that's at Rexel. I mean, anyone who's following that story, you'll tell, you know, Todd Burley could do with tuning in there and finding out how to come across, make big decisions still, change things by all means, and... It's got great, lots of great ideas in that regard. But listen first to what the club needs and why the club is like it is before jumping in two foot and saying, well, this is the way we're doing it now. Uh, you know, and that's why Wrexham were at the top and Chelsea are halfway you know, nearer to the bottom than they are at the top four. I, I always like the I always like the the the, the philosophy of, of Bob Baisley. Uh, and I know, you know, Liverpool used to win the league with, with 14, 15 man squads, and his kind of message was the secret to being a successful manager is keeping the eight players who like you away from the eight players who hate you. And um, you know, how do you do that in a in a dressing room that's got that's got thirty players, you know, and where there's not enough space to, to hang your jacket. So um you know, well, I've never heard that. Like, that's a belter. Well, football has evolved, but there there are still some. Uh, I think there are still some messages that you can take from the uh, you know from the the greats from yesteryear. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you. I totally agree with you. Uh, listen, well, just to finally sort of finish on the Champions League, who's who's now going to make the final? 
do, do we think I, I, I'm going to definitely go for um, uh, Manchester City and AC Milan? What, what do you guys think? I've got sorry, man. Go on. So, uh, as I say, it's bold of Ancelotti to talk about an Istanbul reunion with Maldini. Um, I think half of that's going to be right. I'm with you. I think I think I'm with you all the way there. It's going to be AC Milan uh, with their general director, is he uh, Baldi, um, Maldini? Uh, and uh, go back to his worst nightmare. Um, but he'll be facing Manchester City this time. Right. My, my, my view is, I think it will be, but I'm, I agree I agree with you. I think it's City, AC Milan. Uh, City have played uh, Madrid in two previous Champions League semi-finals. The first one, they lost 1-0, but were never really in the game, if it, if, if if that's a strange thing to say when, the, you know, it's such a tight aggregate score. It was a very tight game at the Etihad, one of very few chances for both teams. And Madrid with a better, better team by a mile at the Bernabeu probably should have scored more than the one goal he did and probably would have if it hadn't been for Joe Hart. Um, but last year... City were desperately looking not to win that game. I mean, they were the better team for probably 170, 175 minutes. Um, and then, sorry, 100, 155 minutes. And then obviously Madrid score that late, that late equaliser, late two goals to take it into extra time and, and, and win the tie. Um, City should have been out of sight after the first leg. I think this Madrid team are a better team than they were last year, but but so are City, and I think they'll uh, they'll go through, and I think they'll play uh, Milan in the final. And I actually do remember the last time they uh, they played Milan in um, in, in European competition uh, because I was um, I was I was a schoolboy, and they um, the first leg was in Milan, and City were two 0 up, and uh, ended up drawing two two. But the game was actually played in an after, on an afternoon because the uh, that fought the previous evening at the San Siro. And uh, our metalwork teacher, Mr. Garside, was kind enough to let us listen to it on the radio um, until Pandemonium broke out and City scored and the radio went off. So, and then City won the second game 3 0. So, um, good, yeah, good memories if it, if it is a City uh, well, I'm final. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Fantastic. I love it. I love it. When I, when I think of the San Siro, I do think of fog, funnily enough. It's just always foggy there, isn't it? And it's just fantastic. Yeah, but it's, uh, no, no, it's great stuff. Listen, let, let's talk about Arsenal next and get into, 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 into them a little bit. Matt, your, your favourite subjects, of course. Not, uh, it's fair to say you're not, a, I don't know, you're, you're not, the, not, not always the biggest supporter of Arsenal, are you, in, in a journalistic sense? Is, is, that, is that a bit harsh? But do you think the jitters in the last two games? I think there's sown a seed of major doubt within their title chances now. Uh, to defend, in defence of myself, I saw a lot of the holes in Benga's final years more keenly, more happily than others did perhaps. Yeah, you um, made a, you uh, made a uh, score. I'm, I'm, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm really, but you, you, uh, 
you have made a sport of it in recent times, I, I would say. I haven't. <laughs> yeah, according to their own high account, it's, it's Arsenal tell us all that they're a wonderful club, and I'm just making sure that they are before uh, endorsing that. And they have been until, uh, and even with the Liverpool game, yeah, and there was the naive mistakes that kind of allowed Liverpool to come back into it. But it wasn't the end of the world. They still had it on their hands. It, and for 10 minutes, um, you know, we, we uh, always find the father team formations early in the game to, to help with the production. And uh, under player of the match, I just put in brackets someone from Arsenal at uh, the West Ham game uh, when I filed it 10 minutes in. Because, you know, it was only going one way. Uh, it was going to be an embarrassment for West Ham. I think David Moyes felt that as well. He almost admitted as much. Uh, and then they just switched off. And it was the first time this season that they, they've overthought things, played for time in the first half. When the game was there, it's a great stage. City always use it to go. It was a stage, I think, when uh, West Ham first moved into the London Stadium, the City scored more goals there than, than West Ham had because they just go there and used to knock five goals in, no problem. And that's what I was such a minute. But I overthought it. And it's the first time that's happened. And if Arteta gets on top of that, he can get them straight and uh, get them back winning the games, rolling off the results that they need. And then it all comes down to that game at the Etihad, which, you know, they, they've not got the best track record. They've got, a, yeah, I think it's eight years since, they, since they've got anything there. But that's what they've got to do now. And and I think for that reason, I think City will do it. But but I think it will be a lot closer. Than, I mean, I don't see Arsenal wilting away now. There's too much pride there. And they've done too much to get this bar. Yeah, I, I can't help but think, Si, that part of the issue here is, and shout me down here, is that I think that Manchester City are playing so well that that, that is spooking Arsenal a bit. It's, contribu- it's a contributing factor that they're basically Arsenal, you know, they shouldn't have let a 2-0 lead slip at Liverpool, but they did. That's, a, you know, the draw's ultimately not a bad result, but from the circumstances, I think it's letting two points go. But it was unforgivable at West Ham. And I can't help but feeling there's Arsenal failings there, but City spooking them slightly. It's, it's what happens, John, you know, when you're trying to get over the line for that first title, which it will be for this Arsenal team, you, you, it, it, the temptation is to look over your shoulder. And I, and I think that's the, I think they've kind of taken their eyes off the prize a little bit, um, certainly in the, the West Ham game. Um, I agree with Matt. I don't think Arsenal will fade away. Um, they've got the perfect opportunity to get themselves back on track against Southampton uh, tomorrow night. And... Let's be honest, if you just, if you just said to an Arsenal fan or Mikel Arteta, Arteta, any Arsenal player at the start of the season, look, you can virtually win the title by going, going to the Etihad and winning. They would have, they would have absolutely snapped your hands off for it. And, uh, you know, uh, Arsenal, uh, they, they weren't at the best when they played City at the Emirates, but I thought they played reasonably well in the FA Cup tie between the two clubs, despite fielding a weakened team. And I just think it's it's just it's a cup final, isn't it, for for, for both teams? You know, both both teams really need to win to kind of restate themselves. But there are always bumps in the road. You know, that's that's why championships are so difficult to win. You, you, there are setbacks. City had them in 2012 when they were chasing down United. They lost at the Emirates, and everybody thought you know Arteta scored the winning goal, and everybody thought that was the end of the you know that was the end of the Mancini dream. And they they managed to kind of right themselves and 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 drag United back. So um, if you want to win a championship, you've got to go to the toughest places and, and, and at least, you know, get results. And that's the, the challenge for Arsenal next Wednesday. 
Mm, absolutely. Matt, Matt do, do Arsenal need to change it up against Southampton? No, not necessarily. Um, I'll just take odds with the pair of you, Phil, if I may, for a moment. I don't think they were spooked by City so much. I just think they were complacent. I think they got two goals to the good. We're playing some of the best football they played all season for 10 minutes and thought, all oh, right, brilliant, we've got another one in the bag. Uh, just took the half ball. Um, to that end, he doesn't need to change anything up. He wasn't, you know, in, unless he wants to send a message to a particular player that he's got the data on that, that he feels wasn't doing anything. I didn't spot anybody particularly having a bad one or whatever. Uh, uh, and, you know, he'll rotate things and maybe Trossard will have a bit more of a show sort of thing. But, you know, no, he doesn't need to change things up at all. He's working well for him. And I think they'll be back on track. So, uh, so no, I expect them to come out again, come out as they did against West Ham, but this time keep their foot on the pedal. I, w- I would think if Zinchenko's fit and Saliba fit, then they're two natural players to come straight back in. Um, anyway, and that you know that that automatically strengthens strengthens the Arsenal team. And uh, you know, I, I thought saying they had, a, had, a, had an half decent game at the weekend, certainly going going forwards, but he doesn't give Arsenal that that option of. Of, of um, you know, dropping into that midfield role that Zinchenko does so well. So I think if Arsenal can get those two players back, especially for the City game, you know, it might be too soon for them for the uh, I don't know, Chris, you know better than me, but it's too soon for them for the the, the Southampton game. I don't know, but um, if they can get them both back for for, for the City game, then that that certainly strengthens their hand. Matt, Matt, what do you um, what do, do you think they'll do? You think they'll just overcome the steamroll of Southampton, or do you think that sort of kind of the nerves will play into Arsenal's performance and they could slip up again? No, no, like I say, I think they'll be fine. I think just for whatever reason, it seems to they seem to rise above it. Uh, if 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 they were spooked by a city, they'd have gone to London Stadium and perhaps struggled to start with find their rhythm. But they were straight back into it. They'll be straight back into it. Some areas. Um, and uh, yeah, no, I think they'll be fine. Uh, I really do. It's been the one really impressive thing about this Arteta run is that he seems to have them believe, partly because they're a young bunch of lads who believe in themselves, that they've got confidence. Uh, and what they had to on uh, Sunday was uh, too much confidence. Uh, and that's what undid them. So no, they'll be back on it in some areas. There's not a lot there really that they've got to be fearful of. Um, watch out for a few set pieces, etc. But that's it. That message is an easy one to convey. And they'll go out and they'll play some football. And uh, it's a chance then to put City on the back foot with going first this weekend. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, well, if, if you're backing Mikel, oh, I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure he'll, he'll take great, great comfort in that. Um, help. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, let's look at the FA Cup semi final, uh, semi finals and starting with, with Saturday. So, I mean, surely there's no chance of an upset. Sheffield United have done the upsets this season, haven't they? But surely, even if, if City maybe rest and rotate a couple, they'll be too strong, wouldn't they, for um, for Paul Hacking, what I'm saying? I would imagine City will rotate quite heavily for the for the game, given that, you know, they've just gone to Bayern Munich, really tough game there. And obviously Arsenal on Wednesday. Um, and they, they, they kind of... Um, the hope that Sheffield United have got can can be lifted from the fact that I saw I was at the Etihad last week when Pep made quite a few changes to to rest his players for the the trip to Munich and um, City City's kind of form really 
fell off a cliff when he when he made all those those changes. I mean, this, there still should be enough talent in that city team to to win the game. But it's a, it's you know it's, it was always going to be a shot to nothing for for Sheffield United, made even more so by the fact that you know they've got bigger fish to fry in terms of the promotion, and they are very very close to securing a return to the Premier League. So um, you know they they go there with a little bit of a free hit. They, they, they've kind of one thing that I'm I'm disappointed about in a way is that they we won't see Tommy Doyle and uh, and James McAtee, uh, two two young players that City have sent to uh, Bramall Lane on loan this season. They've played a, a real really key role in in what uh, they've done in the Championship uh, and in the FA Cup. Uh, two very very talented players who really deserve to be playing at Wembley. Um, and it's a shame that you know the the loan regulations don't don't allow that to allow that to happen. Um, do you, do yeah. you think that's right, Sai? Because you know, I, I know the, the rules are clearly there; it's obvious for everyone to see. But we we all saw Cancelo bail against City for Bayern Munich. You know, didn't go the way he wanted. I'm sure he probably had a point to prove to Pep after everything that's happened. But he was still ultimately professional, wasn't he? It's saying well, these anomalies that I, I can't really understand why it's it, it, the regulations for European football um, are different to our domestic regulations that that these two lads can't can't play in the semi final. Um, you know, I mean, I know Tommy Doll, for example, has got you know huge city heritage. Both and both these grandfathers, Mike Doll and and, and Glenn Pardo, played in the nineteen sixty nine FA Cup final. When City beat Leicester, um, and I just think it's a shame that 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 Tommy Doyle won't be you know won't be allowed to follow in, in their footsteps this weekend by playing in the semi final, and the same for same for James Bakatsi, who's a very talented footballer, um, and I don't quite understand that if a player is on loan there for a if players are on loan there for a full season, why they're not allowed to play in you know in every competition against whoever. I, th- I think it's something that 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 should be addressed by. Uh, by the FA at some point. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with that. Totally agree. Um, Matt, let's focus on the other uh, the other semi-final, if we may. Did, I mean, Brighton, I have to say, you know, I've got a real soft spot for Brighton, you might have noticed. Um, I think they've been fantastic this season. They've reached new heights under De Zerbi. Man United playing in the Europa League on Thursday night in Spain. Is this a Brighton opportunity to reach, reach the FA Cup final? Could they do it? Yeah, of course they could. Yeah, no, they're, they're fantastic. You're rather focused on these achievements. Uh, yeah, why not go for a bit of glory to add to the, the real hard work that goes on behind the scenes to make them not only competitive, but strongly competitive. Um, yeah, I think the whole of football needs Brian to do well, uh, just to show that if you do things the right way, you can still be a success. You don't have to mortgage your future. You don't have to, you know, uh, risk you know, the livelihoods of, of your entire club to compete. You can do it the right way and still get there. And yeah, I think, you know, neutrals will be backing Brighton this weekend. And also, I mean, crikey, anyone who wins the FA Cup by beating Manchester United and possibly Manchester City deserves it. So, you know, if they could get the, their hands on that trophy, you know, that would be an incredible achievement. And one of those that will live in the memory, even at a time when, you know, sort of weakened teams and whatever else kind of cheapens the whole, Thing a little bit, but uh, yeah, no, I think I think quite a lot of the country will be behind Brighton this weekend. 
Yeah, it'll be it'll be fascinating to see. Well, guys, we'll finish on your on your um, the show with with your predictions, please for for this weekend. Do you, how do you see both semis going? Let's start with you, Si. I think it. Um, I think City will win, um, and I think Brighton will win. Um, I just think United have got quite a few defensive issues that Brighton will be able to take advantage of. Um, Ryan Maguire suspended, so it, you know who comes into to partner Victor Lindelof because it looked like Varane, Varane's you know struggling with injury and Martinez is out for the season you know Ten Hag could uh, I suppose he could play Luke, Luke Shaw in there or Scott McTominay he's not got many other options um, and against this Brighton team who I'm with you Crossy they're absolutely electric absolutely love watching them play um, and I think they you know I think after the season they've had they deserve something it could still be European football in terms of a Premier League finish, but I, I really do think that this is a team that that deserves um, deserves it. It's, you know, it's staying the uh, it's staying the sunshine. Yeah, absolutely, Matt. Matt how do you? Uh, yeah, I think I'll probably largely with Simon. I, I think City will be closer than anyone thinks, but they'll get there. Um, and saving the fact that Manchester United, for some reason historically, always do really well in these big games uh, and have this habit of doing it. Uh, you know, I think Brighton have enough. It's just my only suspicion is we could have that all Manchester final because United sometimes just seem to find a way of getting through. Um, but uh, but if I had to put my house on it, then they, they'll be Brighton. I mean, could you just say how epic would that be? Man City, Man United final, United trying to stop City in the treble. Oh, you know, they, they blocked Liverpool off in, in 1977. Uh, all the champions and then went on to win the European Cup a few days after losing the FA Cup final to United at Wembley so it, I don't know that could be quite a that could be quite an occasion yeah absolutely that would be, be interesting to interesting to see and Brighton Man United will of course evoke a few and Smith must score memories but Mark Walters already done the piece so you know so he's a week early so, so it'll be interesting to see I've got to say I really fancy Brighton to, to, to do it I don't know whether that kind of is the kiss of death because I'm terrible at predictions so it probably is but I think they're just absolutely fantastic to watch you're absolutely breath of fresh air so uh, so but I, I love the FA Cup you know as you might have noticed and I think the you know, there's so much debate, isn't there, about whether the semi-finals should be played at Wembley, but it generally turns into a really fantastic weekend for for the cup. And I have to say, I just think look at look at the teams left in it. You know, basically that shows you how special it is when the likes of Pep Guardiola are taking it still so seriously at this this stage of the season, and the cup is still magic. So, with that, but just reeling back a little bit, Crossy, when you see Arsenal win enough Premier League and, and first division titles. You know what? 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 What do you expect from this Arsenal team over the over the coming weeks? Oh, I, I, I mean, I feel as if City will be too good for them. But I do feel as if um, I feel City will be too good. But I feel as if um, I feel Arsenal are on such a good path at the moment that um, they can take a lot from this season. Bear in mind, I think the expectation was if they could finish fourth, that would be amazing. I think it will strengthen their belief. I don't think they'll fall apart. I think, you know, I still think they'll make a good fist of this season. I just feel as if City are in the groove and I think they look they look awesome. And I have to say, as long as Guardiola is there, I think that will always be the case. You know, it's just fantastic to watch. But I do think that, that Arsenal are now emerging as one of the next clutch of clubs that are genuinely 
genuine contenders for trophies. And I think the, the, the structure is well put together. The team is good. They're making good decisions. If they do indeed get Declan Rice, this side that will strengthen the midfield further. They make intelligent signings. Everything is run really well. And so I do think the the, the, the optimism is, is, is overall very, very positive for Arsenal. Do you not think the fact that they're only playing one game a week gives them a, 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 a slight advantage? Because I know, obviously, Arteta is a bit like Guardiola in terms of always wanting to work with his players on the training ground. And obviously, after going out of the Europa League, this, this gives him the opportunity to do that, you know, to concentrate on, really concentrate on one Premier League game at a time. Um, yeah, I think that could give them an edge. But I just feel as if City have got too much. I do, I do feel as if City are pretty good at managing their games. And then let's, the games are mounting. I do get that. And then you could have slipped. But I just feel as if the, those finals are kind of separated right at the end of the season into June. And I just feel as if, you know, City, I think, in a way, I'd really, really like to see City do, do the treble. Because honestly, I love to see special teams win you know, special, special moments, you know, and just be, go down as, 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 and be regarded as the best of their generation. They deserve it. You know, I think Arsenal being fantastic. I mean, it does make me laugh sometimes when I see people say, oh, the media have got it in for Arsenal. I think oh, if, if you ask most neutrals, I think most neutrals are up for Arsenal, basically, and saying they're a new name, fresh face, haven't they played well, they've been brilliant and cheering them on. I love to, I've loved to see Arsenal doing well this season but I just think ultimately City will have a bit too much but I just think the strides that Arsenal have made this season have been remarkable and deserve so much respect and they're making inroads into the kind of the the gap that they are behind everyone else but I think they're doing that in style you know I just feel as if Guardiola sorry but I, I think he's a genius I think he's 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 built you know football evolves isn't it it goes to new levels and basically, we always talk about the best teams of the Premier League era. Well, we're living it and we're watching it at the moment with City, in my view. You know, just fantastic. And I just think they'll take some stopping. What, what Arsenal can take from this season is the fact that they've lived with them for so long and led them for so long. I mean, that shouldn't be underestimated as an achievement in itself, frankly. Being fantastic. Sermon over. <laughs> anyway, guys, so thanks so much for joining. See you same time, same place next week. 